All right. Hello. Welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. We are back. We were away for a little while. Uh, happy to be back with uh, Mr. Chris Sheridan on the line. What's going on, Chris? Well, new year, new new beginnings, right? New beginnings, indeed. And we're going to talk talk more about that. I, of course, am your host, Jason Napolitano. And as I said, Mr. Chris Sheridan is on the line. <coughs> Chris, excuse me, is the author of Spirit in the Sky. And I am the author of If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. Um, we have been doing this show for a while, almost, uh, I believe, about two years now, right, Chris? Something like that. Yeah, over 150 over 100 episodes. episodes. Indeed. And we've been talking lately. We've kind of trying to refocus the show in some ways. And so I have actually uh, moved. I am out in Arizona uh, for a bit. Chris is still in California. Um, we thought we'd take this opportunity uh, while I was moving and stuff to kind of get uh, our, a refocus on the show. Uh, we like the subjects we are covering, uh, but we felt it might be a, a little a little too broad, and we wanted to focus uh, down and have more of a mission, I guess, as it were, so that so that we're more mission oriented in our in our um, in our in our material in our focus and so forth and so that we can help you kind of be more mission oriented in your own life and we'll talk more about a mission in this show uh, our new mission with the show and maybe you know hopefully we'll spark some thought about uh, your mission in your life and what's important and so on all right so that being said um we'll jump right into it um, one of the big things that we talked about on the show, we touched on quite a bit, was the environment, um, some of the issues uh, in the environment, climate change. Of course, we've gotten into that. We've talked a bit about economics and how some of our, uh, how our, our ways, our consumerist ways are, you know, harming the earth and so on. And, and we don't, we're not going to focus, what we're going to focus on, I guess I should say, is the intersection of of ecology and spirituality. So what we call an eco-spiritual focus. And we're really trying to talk about creating a new way of thinking, a new way of acting and a new way of being that puts us in harmony uh, with the natural world and informed by spiritual principles, universal spiritual principles. So we're gonna be drawing from a lot of the same sources we were before. We're gonna look to Manly Hall, we're gonna to look to Jung, we're gonna to look to shaman wisdom and indigenous cultures, we're gonna to look to uh, you know, African traditional religion, we're gonna to look to new thought. You know, we're gonna draw from wherever we need to, uh, but mainly we're gonna focus that our lens down on how we can live in a more harmonious way with the earth. With the earth because i've really been thinking about this chris has been thinking about this we've been talking about it um and we all know uh and you know are alarmed by all the things we see in the news and uh about the climate about climate change about uh you know scarcity and about uh a lot of you know we saw uh during this early pandemic we saw some scarcity in stores and you know a lot of us started growing food in our backyards and we realized maybe the system isn't quite as uh, resilient and as as solid as we thought it was and all those kinds of things so 
you know, really uh, what we wanted to do is, is kind of refocus down to, to, to practical and um, inspirational uh, tools, ideas, stories, wisdom, et cetera, uh, that we can use to, to, to create this, this change. Uh, so I'm being kind of long-winded. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, monopolize. I want to let you talk. I don't, you know, I just want to just jump in with, with some of your thoughts about the things we've been talking about uh, whenever you're ready, I guess. Well, um, sure. I'll just uh, enter reinforce what you're saying. And I guess uh, add my uh, interpretation of it about focusing you know, our talks down to something um, that, you know, we can all rally behind. Um, you know, to bring, and it brings, it still brings everything else into focus, but it's a point of view, it's a place to stand. Um, and, and I think that's really important. Um, and I, what, the word that came to mind that's grounded, it's, you know, it's going to be grounded in this uh, idea of uh, living more harmoniously with the earth, uh, meaning we are more in tune with each other and, um, and bringing the spiritual component that it's there is no separation that these are all all together and i thought of the word grounding which is very you know physical it's like the ground it's the earth uh and electricity you know you have to have a ground or you don't have a circuit um and grounding in that things are practical and uh, it's grounded in you know utility value uh and what's not grounded is kind of pie in the sky and uh, it's great to think idealistically. That's in fact, that's where the greatest <laughs> grounded inventions come from, idealistic thought. Uh, but it can't stay there. It can't live there. It can't be some, you know, entirely ethereal, well, if we could only do this, or wouldn't that be nice if we could do that, or if only people would get along. It's like, that's great. Okay, well, what can we do today <laughs> to get along with the people today? Um, just a little bit better. Uh, so I like that grounding, uh, so grounded in a subject and a point of view, grounded literally and metaphorically with the earth and grounded in, in practicality. Um, so it's not just, you know, a metaphysical speculation or pie in the sky ideal. It's something we can actually really bring down from heaven into the earth and apply in our lives. That's a, a great way to put it. I like uh, I like that idea of grounding. It's you know, and that was one of the things that you know we've been we've been talking about before the show, and certainly just between ourselves, Chris and I. Uh, but you know, they're in the in the West. It's interesting. Uh, this is not true everywhere, of course, with every culture, but certainly in uh, in modern Western culture, there's definitely this split. There's first of all a split between religion and science, and we've covered that in many of our shows. But I think there's also a split between, you know, spirituality and one's connection to day-to-day -day life, the earth, the natural cycles, and so on. Unless, of course, you're in, you know, one of the sort of earth-based religions and you're really focused on, on that sort of a lifestyle. You know, we, we've become so disconnected from our home, from Mother Earth, from the natural cycles of life, from day and night, from the seasons, Etc., etc., etc. Because we have all of these tools and inventions, and granted, it's nice to obviously have electric lights and to have heat and to have air conditioning and to have homes that you know keep us warm and keep us cool and you know protect us and so on. 
but they also divorce us uh, from the natural world. And I think it gives us a false sense of superiority over the earth. And one of the things that we want to do moving forward is to continue to uh, sort of reinforce the idea, explore uh, different ways that we can become more connected to the earth, practical things we can do to be more self-sufficient, be more sustainable, live in a more sustainable way, um, live closer to the earth, even if we live in an urban environment. It's quite, it's quite possible to still do that. Uh, so we're going to explore a lot of those different things. We're going to talk about urban farming. We're going to talk about permaculture. We're going to talk about spirituality, meditation, yoga, all the stuff we, we, we did talk about before. But again, we're going we're gonna to ground that. We're going to ground those ideas and those stories and the, the mythology and the principles and ideas that we look at in this idea of how can we uh, be part of the solution because I personally and I you know I don't want to speak for you Chris or anyone who's listening but I personally am you know I'm quite concerned with where things are headed I you know I see these changes in climate I see uh, you know topsoil blowing away at an alarming rate and you know you don't see it if you're not you know around these places but if you do a little bit of research you'll see uh, the danger of topsoil erosion you know, again, uh, you know, climate change, it may or may, you know, we may or may not think it affects us, but it, but it does. I mean, the seas are rising and, you know, we've got species dying off and we've got, you know, problems in the levels and, you know, the chemical levels in the ocean and all kinds of different things that, you know, whether or not you agree who's at fault, this stuff is going on and we need to do something about it. And I think, you know, some of these problems, because they're global, it seems, oh, it seems overwhelming sometimes, doesn't it, Chris? Well, like, it can be overwhelming to the point of thinking you can't do anything about it. Yeah, yeah. You know that it's too late. It's too big. It's too much, um, and in a way, too distant. Too um, distant. Yeah, yeah. Well, unless you live in one of those places where you can really see the effects of it, you know, that's the thing about it. But I think, you know, most of us are kind of insulated, again, like I said, from the outside world. So yeah, we notice, oh, it's, you know, the summer is a little bit hotter, but we just crank up the AC and we don't go outside anyways, because we're just watching Netflix. So it's like, those are the things where, you know, you were kind of artificially insulated from some of the things that are going on okay anyway the point to get back to it so so we sometimes i think it's easy to feel overwhelmed we think well it's this global thing and what can i do i'm just one little person and my point i guess really in in trying to uh refocus the show and you know and and we talked about how we want to really create this idea of mission is that you know each individual person is a tremendous force. And that's where the spirituality comes in. Because, you know, if we really tap into the infinite potential that we have, really, really tap into the, the consciousness, we really tap into that, the self, you know, with the capital S that we've talked about so much, that infinite part of ourselves, you know, we really realize that we have resources within us. And of course, outside us as well, there is no difference between inside and outside if you if you give it some, some good thought. Uh, but we have those resources to really make a difference in our own life. But then we also influence people 
uh, our own little environment, our families, uh, the community around us, and so on, with our actions, with our thoughts, you know, with the, you know, the proactive sort of work that we do. And so your, you know, your small little actions, quote unquote, that you're taking make a tremendous difference. And that's one of the things we want to start really talking about here is, you know, we're talking nothing less really than an eco-spiritual revolution. It's an inner, you know, a revolution that starts within with all of us uh, that's, you know, that will spread outwards and really change the way we, we do things, um, you know, to live more justly more harmoniously, uh, more peacefully, uh, more connected, more uh, self, self-reliant, you know, and these things are, you know, principles that are, you know, that our ancestors, you know, tried to live by living in a community, but being living in a, in a way where you're interconnected and you're, you're sort of inter-responsible for each other, which means you're a self sort of a semi-self-sustaining individual in a community of semi-self-sustaining individuals that work together for a common purpose. And that common purpose is, you know, to survive and thrive. And I think that if we do not do that on a global scale, we will not survive and thrive. I, I just, I just don't, you know, and I think that, you know, and I'm not trying to be an alarmist or whatever. We've all seen, you know, we've all seen an inconvenient truth and the myriad of documentaries that have ma been made about the environment. Our job is not to try to, we're not going to spend a lot of time, you know, trying to uh, go over that territory. That territory has been well covered. What we're going to do is talk about how do we positively and proactively and spiritually respond to the situation we find ourselves in as humans. Um, do you have anything to add to that? Well, as far as our getting off track uh, and on track towards destruction, or on a path anyway, um, towards destruction, annihilation of our you know, ecosphere and, and everything, it's come as a result of veering away from that model that you're talking about, about being you know, part of a tribe where everybody's interdependent. You have a role to play, a very specific role, and you individually need to carry that out the best you can. But like a watch, all the different components also work together uh, for the security, the safety, the well-being, the health, and the yeah. continuation of the tribe. Well, the hunting party is off, well, then, uh, the collector gatherers are, are picking berries. Somebody else is grinding corn. Somebody else is watching the children. Uh, now everything's compartmentalized. You go to a grocery store for this. You have you know daycare for this for your kids. Uh, it used to all be kind of contained within a community uh, that was more or less self-sufficient. You know the larger uh, tribe was, and I think we've just sort of gotten so far away from that. Now, it doesn't mean we have to live like that. You can still live in an urban environment or an apartment complex or things like that. But philosophically, and meaning um, how we think and really how we operate uh, regarding these things uh, has really gotten way off track. Now, there are signs uh, that it's, uh, there's a trend towards thinking more like that. Um, you know, choices, if you buy a shoe from a certain shoe company, then they'll donate a pair 
to somebody else who needs a pair of shoes or socks or whatever they're uh, they're selling. So uh, there seems to be a spirit of that because I think that's something that's within us anyway. We've lived this yeah. way for thousands of years, and maybe it's only been in the last couple hundred that uh, we've had the opportunity <laughs> to not live in harmony uh, and the luxury, I guess. Uh, but it's also been at our uh, really at our detriment, um, and it's not really looking for a way back to where we used to be, but it's reviving that. It's it's 2.0. It's it's how it is now. Yeah. You can't turn back the clock on technology, but you can adjust our focus and our ethics and how it, we throw away more food than any country in the world, yet we have millions of starving uh, people. It, it's just that absurdity alone Insane. is yeah. a sign we're not doing things right. Exactly. And, you know, there, there, there are different ways to do things, and so w- one of the one of the things that we're going to do moving forward on the show is to kind of, you know, explore some of the ideas that maybe we're taking for granted. Some of the things that you know, because it's it's sort of like this: our culture and our way of living is is kind of like a it's a fishbowl you know you're just you're in the, you're swimming around in the fishbowl so it's very difficult to recognize that you're swimming in a fishbowl uh, you know you're immersed in it when you kind of get a view and this is the sort of where our our name the cosmic eye comes in you know you get a sort of cosmic eye view of things in other words you look at it from a sort of transcendental point of view but at the same time grounded like chris spoke of in the natural world, you begin to see things in a different way. And you say, okay, you know, this way that we've been living for the past uh, 150 years, especially in the last, you know, 50, 60 years with this exponential growth of technology. And so it's, it's, you know, some of it's good, some of it's not so good. Uh, Like you said, I mean, you know, there's sort of the cats out of the bag with technology, we're probably not going to move backwards. What we can do, though, we really don't need to develop any more technology. Honestly, I think we're good for, for a good amount of time. What we need to do is learn how to properly apply the technology we have uh, where it's needed and get it out of where it isn't needed. So for example, a factory farm, which is running like, a, you know, a it's running according to an industrial model. You know, we've all seen these these horrible documentaries about these, you know, uh, chicken farms and so on. Is not a, a good use of technology. Uh, a chicken is a is a is a living thing that has its own intrinsic value unto itself, and as a as a living creature and part of an ecosystem, you know, it should be treated with respect, even if you're planning on eating it. You know, and that's an ethic, and so that's. One of the things we're going to talk about is, you know, as we're moving forward, we're going to talk about ethics and philosophy and, we're, you know, in terms of a new way of looking at things. But this, you know, again, just to kind of get back to it. So this this sort of uh, consumerist idea, this fishbowl that we're swimming in, this sort of materialist idea of how the world works and how we think it is, is not that old. You know, it looks kind of old. We see these old photos of the Industrial Revolution and they're black and white, or we see, you know, paintings of early, you know, things in England, uh, you know, uh, factories and so on going up. But, um, you know, it's maybe two, three hundred years old at, at, at most, you know. But the natural world, you know, 
it's what I mean. The Earth is what eight billion years old. You know, it's had this chance to 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 develop a natural rhythm, and it's got its own you know its own universal laws that it's operating according to, and so on. Um, you know, our way of life was much again getting back to the Earth, much closer to the Earth, much more focused on the natural cycles of the Earth, and much more connected and rooted in the Earth up until, you know, about 200 years ago when most people started moving to cities, depending on where you're, you know, talking about in the, in the world. Um, you know, so, so it's relatively, it's relatively new. Um, but what we're finding is that it's, you know, it's not really working for us, which doesn't mean that we're gonna move out of the cities and it doesn't mean that we're all gonna move to the countryside and, you know, suddenly, uh, have a plot of land and live off grid or something. But what it means is we need to put ourselves in harmony with the natural world and the way that things are done in the natural world. And as another example, like we were talking about this before the show, you know, there are ways there, you know, there are ways to farm, ways to clean water, ways to recycle things that are perfectly natural. You know, you, you can use animals in a system, you can use plants in a system, you can build these biological systems that can clean human waste and all of these different things. You know, what it is, I guess what we're talking about in essence is a, you know, a revolution in design, it's a revolution in living, and it's an a, appropriate application of technology where it belongs. You know, and, and so that, you know, we're using the different tools where they're where they're appropriate and they're useful, and not trying to force systems onto things that don't uh, that don't respond well to them. The natural world does not respond well to man's idea of technological progress. So we've got to figure out some way to create a balance between you know the things we're creating and the natural world. Uh, so those those are again those are some of the the, the things we're going to explore moving forward in the show. There's there's different ways to engineer and design products that don't require uh, the harsh chemicals, the the by you know the terrible byproducts and poisons that we're using. It's just a different way of thinking and looking at things. You know what I mean? And so really, what we're talking about is you know, looking at some practical things, sharing ideas, looking at the past, looking at the present, looking towards the future, how we can, you know, live closer to the way that the, that the earth does things. Um, you know, and, and a lot of us, I'll say this, and, and I'm going to let you, let you speak because I'm getting long-winded, but, you know, I started uh, doing some, some gardening out here, and it's interesting. I know a lot of people have have started gardening and so on um, and growing things, you know, during this pandemic. And I think it's 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 interesting because it's one of these things where you begin to realize like how easy it is to kind of become uh, somewhat self-sufficient. I mean, it really, you know, look, you're not going to be 100 percent. You're not going to necessarily grow all your food in your backyard, although you can shoot for that. I mean, people do it. The, the point is, though, you know, to start kind of small and just kind of kind of it gives you a certain confidence. You begin to see how things work together. You begin to see how the soil reacts to to to, to different, you know, bugs and the water that you're 
um, that you're using and how, you know, the sun and the angle of the sun and all these different elements that you've never noticed before. You know, you just never paid attention to that, but because you're, you know, you're quiet and you observe and you start to watch what's going on, you begin to see like natural rhythms of life. You begin to see like, like, for example, I've been watching lizards kind of hunt in the, you know, in the backyard and, you know, I'm seeing pollinators starting to come in because I planted some lavender and, and you begin to see a little ecosystem starting to you know, see beneficial insects starting to come in and more birds are coming to the yard and so on because there's, you know, there's stuff there. Hopefully they don't eat my strawberries, but uh, I'll deal with that when that, uh, that comes around. But the point is, is that, you know, you start to see how you fit into the natural world. I think that is a terrible problem today. We think we are not part of the natural world anymore. We think we're above it. Uh, or we think we're, we, we control it, or we think that technology will fix it. None of those things are true. The technology that is going to save us is, is simple technology. It's using natural resources properly and sustainably. It's not, you know, it's, it's conserving the resources that are there and allowing them to repopulate. Um, you know, it's about uh, not expecting, you know, more energy out of a system than you put into it. So, you know, you don't expect greater and greater and greater yields out of depleting soils each year and you throw more and more fertilizer and pesticides on it to force production. It's not natural. It's not natural. You've got to put the return back into the earth. Um, in the same way, like, you know, if you, if you expect to have a good family, you got to put time into that family. You have to put energy into that family. You just can't go off to work, you know, work 14 hours a day and come home and think things are just going to run smoothly. Right. So, I mean, these are things we're going to, these are things, these are some of the things we're going to talk about. Um, let me hand it to you. Uh, I don't, you know, want to let you, let you weigh in on some of these ideas. All right. Well, it kind of begs the question, how did we get away so far away seemingly so quickly if it just happened in the last couple hundred years uh when there has been thousands of years of you know planting and uh harvesting according to the flooding of the nile uh the uh changes in the seasons and yeah uh, all these rhythms of life that we were so keyed into and what bug ate what and what you know animal would uh, like this kind of food and uh, all these things. And we can say, well, it's terrible that we've done that, but there's a real strong reason behind it. And I can't really blame technology, technology assisted. And now it's more than an assist. Now it's really <laughs> one of the prime offenders and yeah. uh, our, our reliance on technology and thinking that that's the solution uh, to non really or different uh, technological uh, problems. Uh, the reason behind moving away from nature uh, is because we had to. As human beings, as organisms, we are not that well prepared for life on earth. Um, we have the mind and we have the dexterity, uh, the hands and feet uh, to be able to do things, uh, but we need to build a house. Now, some animals do. Uh, other ones find a house like in a cave. Um, we don't really have much fur, <laughs> we can't, uh, our teeth, you know, we're not really, uh, you know, scary uh, on our own to a lot of animals. And we were so at a disadvantage with the environment, uh, things like the temperature 
um, the elements, um, you know, food, we had to hunt and sometimes they would hunt back uh, or you're out hunting a deer and a bear, bear wants you, you want the deer and uh, you're part of your food, you're part of the food cycle. Um, and we had to get away from that to survive. It's been a constant struggle and it, since now that we have guns and, and things like that, we are not as um, scared um, or really we're not at a disadvantage anymore when it comes to bears and lions and, and things like that. Uh, the cold, you know, as long as we have housing on Antarctica, um, you know, the weather um, isn't as much of a burden um, because of this technology. Maybe we even develop technology as a means of getting away from this nature because there were a lot of bad, really scary, um, very deadly things uh, that was just part of living in this environment. Um, so that's understandable. And you know, again, like I said, animals, a beaver will build a dam, a bird will build a nest. I mean, we, we need to use whatever technology we have to, uh, you know, shield ourselves from the, uh, you know, the harmful aspects of, mm. of nature and environment and uh, other predators. Uh, but that got taken to such an extreme. And I think what happened in the, the mid 1800s especially with um, some of the English scientists, there really seemed to be this hubris that, uh, well, now we have conquered it. You know, mm. we have, we've crossed this threshold where we're no longer you know, at the mercy of nature. We have wrested this out of its control and put it into ours. And that's a great victory, you know, for, for us to grow as people spiritually and as a community. Um, if we're so <laughs> burdened by the elements, you know, most of our efforts are going to go into that. Uh, so it, it is a great victory, but I think it was a mistaken victory to think that, oh, now we're beyond this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not be attacked by bears as often or have that be as, you know, major of a problem uh, or the cold in the winter. Mm -hmm. Um it doesn't mean you're separate from nature. And I, I think that's part anyway of the yeah, no, definitely. of getting away from nature. It's very natural, very necessary thing. Just as now, it's a very natural and very necessary thing to get back in tune with it. Yeah, and it, it's, it, you're right. I mean, there's a natural progression towards civilization and so on. Uh, the, the, the problem is exactly what you said, I think, though, is like it's this idea that uh, we've over, overcome or we're you know, we're not, you know, we're masters of it or something like that. And it's like, I think that's where the hubris of, of if, you know, technological achievement leads to a false sense of superiority and a divorce from natural cycles, the natural world in, in, its, in, its, in and of itself, right? We see ourselves as something above and beyond it instead of something that's a, a, a part of it and a steward of it now at this point, because we are the predator. We are the greatest threat. We are the problem. Now, you know, there is there isn't any kind of um, wild animal that's a threat to us or we don't live, you know, unless you live in an area that, that that has that sort of thing, which is becoming remoter and remoter and remoter. Most of the predatory animals have, have died off and they can't be supported because they don't have large enough um, uh, areas to live in any longer. So, you know, so what you're saying is absolutely true and, you know, the, it, it going hand in hand with that is, you know, is what happened more recently and after, after World War II. Uh, you know, what happened with agriculture was that there was tons of chemicals left over, you know, we didn't have anyone to poison. Uh, so they turned them loose on plants and insects. 
uh, and they and you know that became an, a somewhat of an, an addiction because what happens when you when you use insecticides is you kill off all the insects and then they come back even stronger next year because some will survive uh, and then you know it becomes this battle this you know this chemical battle against nature and that's what we've created it's the same thing we've done with um, um, you know with our uh, inoculations and so on you know we're creating we're creating more and more you know uh difficult strains of of bacteria and stuff to fight so um the point the point is then is is you know how do we how do we kind of get back to something where you know we know that we're in civilization we know we've got these cities we know we've got this technology but then also we need to we need to live more harmoniously in some ways we're gonna have to power down and become more you know simple uh, in some ways we're gonna have to you know use uh, you know, we're gonna have to make the most of, 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 of resources that we do have and, you know, make different decisions and so on. Uh, but again, those are all things we're, we're going to talk about. We want to keep this show a practical, hopeful, inspirational, uh, you know, grounded in reality, but also uh, grounded in spiritual and philosophical ethics. And I think that's the thing that's really going to change and help us to create this, this revolution. You know, look, it's a learning process. We don't, you know, we don't have uh, all the answers, uh, you know, nobody out there has all the answers. One of the things we're trying to dispel, though, in terms of uh, what we're doing with the show and our new mission is to dispel the idea that technology is going to save us. That I want to dis dissuade you from believing uh, right now, uh, because it's one of these it's one of these lies that keeps people helpless. You think Silicon Valley will save you or the government or this, uh, if we just get this politician elected, those things will, will help. But the real revolution starts with you, with you, with me, with each individual that's listening to this show that talks to his friends or her friends and her family and uh, you know, and, and begins to make small changes that start to really add up, it'll be a bottom up sort of a revolution. It doesn't, you know, it's not going to be one of these things where, uh, you know, something is going to come along that's just going to completely turn everything around. That, that, that thinking has got us to where we are today. And so that's part of this shift that we have to take this, you know, I hate to use the word paradigm because it's, you know, it's become kind of a silly thing these days, but it is a, it's a paradigm shift. That's really what it is. It's, it's the existing way of doing things is not working. It, it's working. I shouldn't say it's not working. It's working really well, actually, but it's, it's destroying us. So, you know, you can't think that that way of doing things is going to fix stuff. So it's like, well, as you know, if they just came up with the right alternative energy, and then you know the power company will take over that alternative energy and sell me that power instead of the dirty power. Well, that's a that is a move in a better direction in a sense, but you're still a slave to the system. And the the, the real solution would be for you to have, for example, like if you're talking about you know solar energy, solar panels, for example, you would be a part of the grid and you would be an interdependent part of the grid and you you know would have your own solar panels that would feed your power needs and then you'd be able to sell back the the energy that you didn't use or buy some power from them when you needed it 
that's an interdependent relationship. And that's not a relationship that most of these companies want to have with you. That's the reality of it. So now we have to say, well, how do we change what we're doing to force down the line those companies to do things in a different way? You know, and the answer is, you know, start making different choices in your life and thinking about ways that you can be more self-sufficient and start in little ways, plant a garden, you know, plant a planter box, you know, start a compost pile in your backyard. Those are two things you can do that will start you recycling your own waste and you'll start to see how it fits together. You know, and once your compost, you know, turns into usable compost, you put that on your plants and you watch how they grow even better. That will make, that's where the rubber meets the road. And then you see, oh, this is a real thing. I can be involved in my own my own survival, I can be more self-sufficient. And again, I'm not trying to say, you know, we're all going to have time to, you know, completely live off the grid and totally grow all of our own food, but little steps will move us towards that. And then you begin to ask yourself, well, what's my mission in my life? Is this job that I'm doing really working for me? Or am I helping the system to destroy me, my family and the earth? But I'm, you know, I'm making a decent living well, you're making money, but is it long-term sustainable? Is it helping? Is it satisfying to your soul? You got to ask yourself those questions. Those are ethical questions. Those are philosophical questions. And again, you know, not to beat up on anybody, but we've got to start looking at what we do um, or we're not going to be able to make the changes that we need to make so that, you know, that there are animals out in 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 pristine environments and there are fish in the ocean still and there you know there are there is food for us to eat and air for us to breathe and water for us to drink that's the i mean that's the long and short of it right and so we're going to investigate those things and the thing that the the reality of the situation is there's always something we can do you know there's always something we can do and we can't give up and go well someone will fix it or i don't care or be, you know i can't do anything there's always something we can do um and i you know and i want to encourage people to start doing research look into things like permaculture and sustainability and start to look at some of the things that other people are doing look at some of the stuff jeff lawton is doing g E-O-F-F-L-A-W-T-O-N. If you look him up on YouTube, you will see a man who is doing incredible things uh, for himself, for the environment, for the community, for the, for the world. Um, you know, and there's tons of examples of people like him, and we're going to talk about more people like, like that, and we're going to talk about things people are, are doing and what we can do. We're going to look at philosophies and wisdom that will help us to make these mental and spiritual changes that we need to make in order to create this revolution. Because what we're really talking about is an abundant, healthy, connected, peaceful world, not this chaotic, you know, place that we've created where, you know, 1% of the people control most of the money and resources and everyone else is struggling or this country has most of the power and everyone else is, you know, they're not, you know, we were looking for a more equitable and just way of doing things, you know, and it's developing. It's not set in stone, you know, and nothing and nothing's perfect. Some stuff's going to work. Some stuff isn't. It's a work in progress, but we all have to try. And, you know, you might be the person that comes up with an idea that helps to change things. 
I might be, Chris might be, you know, or your next door neighbor might be, we don't know. But that's why we got to communicate, uh, encourage each other, uh, try to do things in a different way and observe the natural world and watch what it does and how it does things because it's had millions of years to, to figure out how to do the things that it does. And it's way more efficient than we are at, at, at solving problems like cleaning water and cycling uh, water uh, and you know cleaning up wastes and all these different things. Uh, so, so start observing. Go sit in your backyard, watch what's going on, pay attention, go to the park, walk around, you know, kind of see, look at things. Um, you know, I don't want to go on too long today. We're going to keep this pretty, pretty short. Uh, let me hand it over to you for some, for some thoughts, and then I think we'll wrap it up. Is that cool? Okay. All right. Well, I'll tack on to what you had said about uh, personal involvement and um, really the actual power that each individual has um, towards making a solution for everybody. And this feeling of powerlessness, I think is sort of built into it, a system that wants central control, wants a monopoly on resources and goods. Um, it really doesn't want <laughs> a whole lot of um, individual empowerment. Uh, not that it's a big conspiracy, it's just this type of a system uh, operates that way. Uh, and on that, not only are we powerful in making very simple personal choices uh, towards a solution, the other side of that is at the same time, our personal small choices are also part of the problem. Or may we may not realize how much we can be contributing towards the problem or a problem um, by some very simple choices that we make that seem very personal. Um, even the personal choice, which is a, a bigger one, I think of having a child, uh, that can have implications for the community, for society. And uh, you know, one of the great problems we face is uh, potential overpopulation, certainly not sustainable uh, population uh, in a lot of areas. Uh, which is the same as sustainable crops and everything else we need to live. Um, we have to be able to recognize this interdependent, this interconnected web of life uh, before we realize how much our personal choices can affect one way or the other, positively or negatively, um, this larger picture. Uh, if it's something as simple as, well, what, what am I going to wear tonight? Well, I'll go get a new shirt at the store. Oh, that might be fun. Hey, there's a new style that came out. Uh, but are you doing that a lot uh, just on a whim or it's kind of frivolous or just because you can or, oh, something new to wear? You can do that, but the textile industries and some of the clothing industries environmentally um, have in some just to be able to produce all that stuff and get that out there. It may seem like a you know twenty dollars shirt, um, but if you're not going to maybe wear it for a while or keep it or really like it, you're contributing to a larger system that, in order to sustain itself, it relies on uh, cheap labor, uh, perhaps uh, for disadvantaged people in poor areas, um, and this whole ecosystem of chemicals and textile mills and and you know, this you know mechanical ecosystem. 
uh, to be able to sustain it and saying, you know, we're not saying don't buy goods and services and, uh, you know, don't have technology, that that's never the case. Uh, but it's being careful and being judicious with your choices because, uh, and I, hopefully this is, you know, what we're going to do is shine a light and what we are doing is shining a light on that. Yeah. Uh, some of these big problems aren't beyond your control. They're not beyond no. your control no. to uh, either make worse or to continue or to disrupt and move towards a different solution. Uh, so seeing this interconnected part, knowing that our small personal choices can have very far-ranging uh, public consequences, and that comes down to ultimately, you're talking about a paradigm shift, it has to be an internal paradigm shift, just how we look at ourselves and our relation to the world and the things that we do. And we just honestly may not be aware of that. And if we can shine yeah. that light, I think uh, that's that's a good mission to... Uh, I'm on board with that. Absolutely. Shine, shine that light. And, you know, and again, it's, it's a lot, there's, there's observation. There's, there's the idea of just kind of paying attention to what you're doing and thinking about things too. This is another thing is just being more mindful of how you're living as an example. Um, you know, and again, we're going to get into more of these details in, in different shows. We're going to cover these topics in greater depth, and we're going to look at the spiritual ideas behind them and how they're interconnected and so on. Uh, but but one like practical thing is just even something simple like uh, doing your errands. Instead of going out, you know, five times to do different errands, you know, plan. Plan your stuff. I need to go pick up, you know, groceries. I need to go you know, buy uh, Lowe's and get some potting soil. You need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do this. Write it all down and do it all at once. And, you know, if, you know, if there's things you can walk to, walk to those things, um, you know, try to minimize your, your, your impact, you know, the, the impact of, of your resource use, um, you know, just in your, in your daily, daily life. I mean, you know, silly stuff, like, don't leave the faucet on while you're brushing your teeth. You know, things we just take for granted. You know, those things add up. And especially in these, these you know, water scarce kind of places where, where both of us live, you know, it makes a huge difference. You know, when people waste water, you know, don't, you know, water your lawn indiscriminately. And, you know, really better yet, rip your lawn out and grow some food instead, honestly. Uh, but the you know we're gonna again we're gonna get more into this it's just start kind of being aware not to beat yourself up but just think about what you're doing and think how can i be more efficient the thing is it's going to save you money it's going to save you time it's going to make you feel more more connected um you know it's going to be more efficient you know that's the thing about all these 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 ideas you know the idea of sustainability is to build systems that, that is agricultural systems, business systems, ways of living that produce more energy than they consume. So there's one idea in permaculture is that, you know, if you're doing too much work in your garden, you designed it poorly. You should be designing things so that they can take care of themselves to some degree. And you do that with a specific purpose. And it takes time to learn how to do that for sure. 
Uh, but, you know, there's ways we can do that. I mean, there's ways that we can design our lives so that they are sustainable and so that they will continue into the future. And so that actually we can do things that help to regenerate things as opposed to depleting them. You know what I mean? And so that's those are the things we're going to talk about. Uh, those are the things we're going to challenge you with. And again, it's going to be grounded in, in a spiritual and ethical and philosophical viewpoint. So we're still going to draw from all the same sources that we were we were using before and so on, just with a new focus on, you know, sustainability and, and sort of creating a what we want to call an eco-spiritual revolution in your life so that, you know, you can live more abundantly and you can ensure a future for future generations, for your kids, for your grandkids, uh, for the animals, for the, you know, the birds, the, you know, the, the, the forests, et cetera, et cetera. So we can all live here on this beautiful planet so my challenge for you this week uh, is to to get yourself a plant if you've ne if you're not gardening uh, maybe a tomato or something that you think will grow in your area uh, you know go down to Lowe's if you've never purchased any get yourself a little pot get, get a plant put it in there you know grow it on your porch start from seeds whatever you want to do I mean if you need to look it up on YouTube or whatever just start with one plant if you've never grown anything one plant that does something, not an ornamental plant, but something that's going to provide you with some food, provide you with an, you know, an herb, a useful herb, a medicine, something like a something, right? Uh, and, 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 and try to grow that. There's, there's, the, there's, the, there's the challenge of the week for us. Uh, so I'm putting that out there. And I, you know, I, I invite uh, you guys who are listening um, to please uh, email us at info at cosmiceye.org. If you have any ideas, again, this is a work in progress. Uh, so please let us know what you think uh, of the new direction we're headed in. Obviously, we're going to be, you know, doing more episodes and so on. So you can let us know what you think of those as well. Uh, topics you want to talk about that have uh, an equal eco spiritual type uh, vibe to them any of that kind of stuff let us know so uh, thank you chris appreciate your uh, input as always and it's good to be back speaking on uh, these subjects with you and uh, it's good to be back yeah good to be back right so uh, we'll be here each week on sunday with a new show uh, now we're getting back we're getting our rhythm back so thank you uh, again for joining us uh, Chris's book is A Spirit in the Sky. Mine is If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. Uh, and of course, we're at CosmicEye.org, where I'm going to be doing some changes to that site. And we're going to definitely uh, get some more community stuff going and, and do more, more focused things so we can work together on this uh, to make these changes we need to make. So thank you for joining us. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Goodbye and God bless.